Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today we're going to be discussing something that is so important for athletes, but not talked enough about, as it should, uh, sports psychology, counseling, and how that can help the mental health of athletes all over the world. Now, there's no way I could talk about this by myself, so today I'm going to have Joni Knighty on, psychotherapist and certified clinical hypnotherapist and trainer. Joni, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm thrilled for this episode, not just because, you know, it's you, but, you know, we've talked so much about, uh, you know, mental health and mental well-being while being an athlete. Uh, And for the listeners out there, I've actually gone to... I've I've been gone to Joni for about a little over a couple months now, um, and you know it. Wow, you're you're a game changer, literally. Uh, being able to just talk about things like anxiety and depression and nervousness in sports and translating that into you know positive things through breathing and practices and discussion. I mean, it has helped me so much, and it it literally helps everybody that you talk to. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on again. It's always, I'm, I'm just so thrilled to be on here because I love to communicate the message, you know, to let athletes know that there are resources out there, especially student athletes, you know, have, being so time poor and not really, you know, realizing that they don't have to spend a lot of time addressing the mental side and the things that are going on, but they're very common and it's, it's, it's very important to address the mental side of the sport. And so anytime I have the opportunity to let them know that those resources are available, I'm really happy to do it, especially you, because I can say, <laughs> you know, you and you're able to say with conviction that these simple things can can be game changers. You know, I'm not the game changer. You are the game changer. You changed your game, your mental game. And it, it wasn't because there was something wrong with you. It was because you didn't have a skill set, the tools, because it's not taught. Mm. So, and I know that from personal experience because I raised three children, three athletes, and I was always looking for someone and just really didn't know what to do, where to go. Mm, yeah, for sure. And yeah, your work is so pivotal and I'm sure so many athletes that you work with. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit already, but can you give listeners a little bit of background with your experience in athletics and about what you do as a sports psychotherapist? Well, as I mentioned, I had three children, three who were competitive athletes. Uh, my daughters, or you know, my son and daughters are far apart in age, 12 and a half years and 15. So by the time my daughters came along, I had a lot of experience with as being a parent. And of course, I've been a psychotherapist for 33 years. So I, it was frustrating to watch athletes practice and put so much time into their sport and so much heart. And then when it came to the the side where, you know, the, the go time, when it was time to compete and, and for them naturally to want good results, it just didn't work out and it didn't come to fruition. And so I watched this and I decided that um, I needed to do something about this problem. Mm-hmm. And of course, I've always been sports psychologists and people who are there to help. But again, let's go back to that issue of being time poor. Athletes just don't have the the resources necessarily to, to get there and to find those people. And so um, 
Yeah, so I started with my daughters were swimming, and they they ended up swimming in college, and then Ashley went on and uh, did some professional swimming. They, um, uh, yeah, I started sitting in at high level, higher levels as they progressed. I went up, you know, to higher levels, sat sat on benches, <laughs> went to different venues. The venues changed, the issues changed, and I started watching all of these dynamics and working with individuals, and that grew to working. The message got out, working with teams, then went working internationally, and it's just grown uh, to the point where I do a lot of my work online, you know, as we've worked together online, and I'm able to reach many more people. And now um, you mentioned I'm a trainer. I also train other professionals to help athletes because I think we we need more people to do the work. I don't think there can never be enough resources for athletes because, you know, there's millions all over the world and every athlete needs that mental skills training. Yes. That's why I love working with teams. I do a lot of team talks, so I travel a lot and I'm able to, you know, sit in front of teams and do interactive work with them so that they can just not just hear about it because I think that there lies in the problem. We understand that there are problems, there are issues, but in, and so often we're told by coaches or parents or even ourselves, you know, we're saying we need to fix this, but it's the how. Mm. And so I consider myself the how, <laughs> you know, enjoy teaching techniques and, and really my goal is to reach numbers, you know, more, more people. How, how do you feel like God has directed you throughout your life and more specifically in your work and in sports? Yeah. So that's a great question and an easy one to answer because I know that God is the ultimate director. <laughs> And I've always known that, you know, I was blessed with uh, my, you know, mom and parents that helped to set the spiritual foundation by taking me to church and, you know, bringing me to mentors and, and people who um, really, really helped set that foundation, that understanding that I'm not really in charge. You know, it, it's interesting because psychology, and, and, I, and I do believe this, I teach this, that we, we are and we're not. So we are the directors of our lives and we, and I think that, but ultimately God is the, the main director. And so, but I think all of our talents, everything that we are able to do and everything that, that, that we are, you know, what we have, what we were born with, our skills, and um, also just, you know, kind of innately who we were put together to be, that we're not in charge of that. But we are in charge of learning and becoming aware of who we are and what we can do and not limiting ourselves, you know. So um, all, always at the foundation of who I am, God exists and lives and directs me. I do forget, and you and I have talked about this, um, along the way, there have been times when I thought I was. And so, you know, because you, you get you start feeling pretty confident and, and you start becoming interested in things and good at things. And then you forget that, Oh yeah, I'm, I, Oh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, not in a, not in a, not in a conceited way, but just a way that we just feel a little bit safer to do it on our own. And the truth is, you know, access to God is everything to me going back um, and praying about being grateful when things go right being having faith when they are not on the path, you know, or, you know, I, when I help people, I want them to get better. 
and quickly, right? I'm not someone who likes to see suffering. That's why I ended up in the profession that I am. And by the way, I did, you know, that was directed with twists and turns by God as well. You know, I wanted to be all kinds of things. You know, a lot of people know what they want to do. I wasn't as clear. But if you if you look back, and when I look back, it was, there were some signs. There were some, you know, prayer was being answered along the way. And I wasn't, I just wasn't hearing it. I wasn't seeing the message. And so it became clear to me that God has a hand in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that, you know, yeah. I, and when I try to do it on my own, it just doesn't go very well. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> so in your opinion, why is it necessary to talk to a psychotherapist, psychologist, or counselor while, you know, while you play sports? Yeah, well, first of all, I think when you look at sports, if you think of it as a triangle, right, you have, there are three very important aspects, and that's the physical side. You want to be strong enough, develop the muscles required for your particular sports, and just be, you know, have a strong and healthy body in general. And then there's that great technical side. You know, what are the technical skills in your sport? What do you need to know to be good or great at it? Uh, But then there's that mental side. And that's where often athletes leave things to chance, not only athletes, but programs, coaches, and um, organizations. And the emphasis isn't, you know, okay, well, here's your mental skills class. There's a little, you know, I I have to commend a lot of programs. There are are programs that have sports psychologists and they'll sometimes have groups or they'll have speakers come in. But the mental side is important to work on every day or at least the days that you're practicing those physical and technical skills. It just doesn't make sense to leave that out because we know and what I understand and I know you do now too, is that when you go, you actually go to compete, it's, you're not using the same part of the brain. At that point, it's time to trust so many things, right? To trust your training, not just the training that you had this week, but the training that you've had since you were how old? I don't know. When did you start playing? It was very young. Four. Yeah. Okay, so right there's so there's a lot. You have a lot of experience. You know, you're someone who has a lot of experience. You're someone who has perfected skills. Um, you're someone who has been able to adjust those at every level. And often we just don't look at that. And so we have to address that that mental side and and understand that we. I think it's important to learn what what is my brain like on sports when I compete. What what am I supposed to be doing? And that is why I think it's important, number one, to say things out loud. What are you thinking and feeling? Because if you keep that, you know, maybe a lack of confidence or, you know, that feeling of anxiety that comes up that becomes debilitating in a sense, or that focus that isn't exactly in the right place to yourself, then the chances of things changing or learning what you need to know to change those things um, aren't very good. And so that's why I think it's important to talk to someone who, who understands how does the brain work on sports and how can I be helped if I say this out loud, you know, who can mentor me through this? Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it's so, it's so necessary to talk to somebody, uh, when you, especially when you play a sport, uh, like you said, like, I, and I know there can be like a kind of a, a stigma around going to a counselor and going to therapy because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to talk about your feelings, especially as a male athlete. You know, you don't want to be, 
you don't want to be seen as, you know, soft or, you know, less of a man. Uh, but right. I cannot emphasize enough how much it helps. Like, you know, like you said, firsthand, I, I, I'm loving playing baseball right now because it's just, it feels, it feels free. It doesn't feel like a job anymore. Uh, and as an athlete, you don't realize how much of your sport is psychological. You don't realize how much of it is the mental side. And it can affect, you know, it can affect you as a person, it can affect your mental health, and it can just affect everyone around you if you let it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a, that's an important part is how it can affect others around you as well. If you, if, for instance, you know, being a, an athlete is just an amazing opportunity to be a leader mm. because there are always people watching you, right? So they're watching to see how you respond to when things go right and when things don't go as well, right? And how you handle certain situations. And so, and we're always interested in how, you know, someone's successful, right? So when we see someone have a successful moment or game or career or season, we're interested in that. So it's, it's great when we can articulate it because we've actually done it on purpose, right? <laughs> we've learned some things to do it on purpose. It's great to feel those changes. I like that you brought up the stigma because I this is an important thing to address. I think if you can think of it as having a coach, a mental coach, because why wouldn't you? You have a physical coach, you have a technical coach, right? So why would we leave out a mental coach? We're supposed we're not supposed to know everything. And by the way, you know, I just love that, you know, like we we equate being a man, being strong with like eliminating certain emotions or you know, pretending like they're not there. The opposite is true. Acknowledging those emotions, being aware of when and how they work for you or against you, that's golden. That's great information. And, it's, and you're right, it's freeing because it's, you know, we just kind of keep something inside that it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So when, when, when you see athletes come to you, how do you, how have you seen that benefit them throughout their sports? Like, like I said, you know, it can be freeing. It can, you know, it can open up a new, new world, new perspective of sports. How do you see it help the athletes that you talk to and have conversations with? Oh, so many ways. Okay. <laughs> That's such a loaded question, but I'll, I'll mention what I can, what comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that I see is, uh, a greater awareness, you know, as, you're, as they're saying it out loud, and I'm kind of parroting back, you know, what I'm hearing, and framing it, it's, it's an aha moment, you know, even though they've been saying this right inside, but or maybe to a friend, but, you know, so number one, a greater awareness. Number two, I think a better, uh, how should I say this, I, I would say a more global, uh, commonality that it in nor normalizing mm -hmm. that oh yeah so sh this is not something that my you know as they're coming to me that she's not shocked by this <laughs> this is not the first time she's heard that and I think that the another benefit is the hope it gives the athlete and the person hope that there are things that they can do to actually you know sort of get out of this place of stuckness if you will and um, that's really, really important. Um, also, to, to they're able to say anything. You know, I, you know, client, my clients are able to say anything, and it, it's not going anywhere. And that's important because sometimes you're limited to your team, you know, or your school environment, 
or you know parents a certain but they're, they're just things that you want to share with someone else who you absolutely know it's going to be private and it, it um, so you know everything from helping athletes relieve the pressure I think that's the one we all everyone thinks about right yeah. uh, relieving that pressure which is very important because there's a lot of it if we allow it to seem that way and just by reframing things and chunking them down we can make big changes uh, a lot of times what I find interesting that I'm able to help athletes with is they believe and I and, and they have good intentions that they are they have this winning attitude. So they don't understand why they're not winning, so to speak, you know, whether it's individually or as a team. And sometimes when I, I am able to listen and also pair it back what they're saying, they're re and, and frame it in a way where they understand that, oh, there are some things that I'm doing that are preventing me from having a winning attitude. You know, and without and, and that, that's a great insight, right? And then, you know, and I, I think there you're probably going to be a question to, and we can address more of this later. But, but the most important thing I think I help with is focus. You know, a lot of times the focus is either it's in the past or the future. It's not actually in the present where we need to be doing the work. Yeah. And so, and you know that, right? So yeah. you've learned that. Um, I do want to mention one more thing. And I do appreciate, I haven't had um, time to listen to all of your podcasts yet, but I plan to because they're, they're information rich. That's really thank impressive. Um, yes. Well, thank you for doing this. Um, is I think that I help athletes identify and expand their identities. And you've touched on that. You had a series on that. And I, I, I like that very much because I do think that it's important, even if an athlete continues on and becomes a coach in the sport, they're still changing their identity from competitive athlete to coach. So, that, you know, something that they've had ingrained in them for years and years. And that can be very difficult. It can be less difficult if along the way, you appreciate your entire identity because it's your entire identity, all of your talents, everything that you bring to the sport, not just the technical and physical skills that actually makes you great, you know, in terms of leadership or being able to help someone or to even to win collectively, all of those things matter. And also it makes the transition from athlete to the next step easier when you appreciate those things. And so it's so easy to get caught up. And, you know, it's funny, you know, when even parents, I'll say, I, and I caught myself doing this with my kids. I'd say, oh yeah, my daughter's a swimmer. Oh my goodness. She's so much more than that, right? <laughs> Both my daughters and my son. And we are all that. And I, I always suggest, and I just want to throw this out there, that every person, not just athlete, but especially every student athlete, write their what I call their personal elevator speech, if you will. We know what a business elevator speech is. It's just a few sentences that, you know, we have the opportunity to communicate to someone that what we do and how well we do it, right? Mm. And so why wouldn't we create that for ourselves? And so I always encourage every athlete to write down five or six, maybe eight sentences about themselves that they know to be true and, and including sport and outside of the sport. And that's just, that's how you begin to really develop this expanded identity. And I, I do help many, many people with that. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's so important. Yeah. 
So you ask a big question and I gave you a really long answer, but that's what it could be so much longer. Hey, that's great. Yes. That's a great answer. And like these past couple of months of meeting with you, you know, they've helped me and they've benefited me more than I ever imagined before I met you. And I'm sure cause I've told you, but for all the listeners out there, I change, I've changed the way I play and I've changed my mindset when it comes to sports. Uh, and like, in high school, sports were my life. Sports were my identity. Like you said, like a lot of athletes, they're a swimmer, they're a baseball player, they're a soccer player. But when you change your identity to mm-hmm. your child of God, you are so much more than you know what your sport says about you. That changes who you are as a person. And to yeah. be honest, like the only thing I've really changed was my breathing and my focus, like you said. Um, and it's something so simple, but I didn't realize how much, you know, builds up anxiety and, and weight I put on sports. Um, when in, you know, I wanted to be the best player that I could be, uh, when in reality, that made me the worst player because I was putting so much pressure on myself and so much, you know, weight on how I performed. But, you know, the conversations we've had is have benefited me more than I ever could have imagined. And that's what keeps me doing it. So that's so great to hear, right? <laughs> yes. Um, you've touched on this a little bit, but how, how, do you, how do you feel like God is intertwined with your work with athletes? Yeah, so uh, going back to what I said a little bit earlier in the interview, you know, God being my director, Um, and my guide and everything, that is how, you know, some of the ways that God is intertwined um, happen to be overt and some of them were a little bit more covert. You know, my clients don't see me praying, right? They don't see me when I pray before a session and after a session. They don't necessarily see me praying before, during, and after they compete, but I'm doing that behind the scenes. they don't mind knowing that I'm doing, but they're not there. But it, but that's all in the works, because I think that if I'm been, you know, called upon to help an athlete, then I'm also called upon to include that them in my prayers and my faith. Um, also, I think by leadership, by leading an example, that I about how some people consider my life, you know, my work is successful. And I think that's great. You know, whatever their definition of success is, I think it's a work in progress always, you know, was I successful today or an hour or the last hour? Um, It's a better way to evaluate things. um, Because that way we can just, you know, we're not feeling maybe as successful at something we realize it's not permanent. uh, And we just do what we need to do to get back on track. So I think that by developing relationships where athletes understand who I am and they see that I actually do the things that I ask them to do and that I, but that I, I rely on faith, you know, not solely. Um, I, I have a deep faith that I, that God has given me the tools or Here's the, another important part. Put someone in my path that I need to connect with or I'm supposed to be connecting with. And usually that happens to be whoever I'm working with, you know, that we're for whatever reason. I never believe it's all about um, me helping the client. Every time I work with someone, I learn something. 
and it helps me to continue that on. And I think that's God being in the works. You know, he's got a great design, just a great design. You know, I think the older I get, the more I realize that, that all these twists, I call them twists and turns. Sometimes those are like challenges and things that I feel like they're getting me off the path, but they're actually, it's by design. And so I think that by example and talking about sometimes personal challenges that I've had with my clients. I've shared a couple of things with you, right? Um, that mm. That's how that works. And uh, yeah, there's yeah. No, I don't think there's any question. Yeah. And, you know, I work with athletes that are, that are, they're not Christians. That's not their, they, they don't believe. And I think that right. when they see how well things work, and how what I'm the work that I'm doing with them, how it's actually making a difference, they start to revisit that. They're a little curious. And I think that's one of the greatest things as Christians that we can do is not necessarily, and I heard you say it this way on one of your podcasts. You know, you said, I don't want to, sh you know, sh we can't shove Christianity down someone's throat because we can, we're at risk mm -hmm. of losing someone, um, right? right? And not communicating the, the right method and I think that's absolutely true I think we one way one great way to do it is to create an atmosphere of curiosity about why is she why do things go so well for her why are the things that she she's teaching me they seem so simple why why does it feel like you know some kind of crazy magic because it's not there's no such thing as magic right so um well well you know faith and and uh, conviction about what you're doing, it can produce really amazing things. And we know that. Yeah. And that's funny that you said like people becoming or coming in your path, in your, in your life, uh, like continuing this podcast. Like I, after like the sixth person I had on the podcast, sixth guest that I had on, I had no idea. I had no other plans to have any other guests and everybody else has just been, people that have come on, come in my life, just social media or you, you know, coming through counseling or whoever it is. It's just random people that God just puts in front of me and says, Hey, why not have them on the podcast? Or, you know, why not speak to them and just see what their experiences are, which it's, it's crazy how God works like that, but it's, it's amazing at the same time. It's funny how we always say it's, it feels random, mm -hmm. but we know it's not right. Right. Yep. We know this. it just feels so random. We're like, why, why is this person, you know, contacting me or why is, why did, the, how did I end up getting this client? This happens to me sometimes. I'm like, wait, where do they even come from? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It goes back to my theory. Remember I told you that, you know, um, I love, I love that we, we have so much permission to be a child of God, you know, that we're adults on earth, you know, but we, because our minds can be so childlike. And one of the things I, you know, in my prayer, I go, here I am again, Lord, you're a slow learner, you know, but you know, not really right. I just need reminders. So um, that's okay. That's why it's important to have each other. Yeah, exactly. So while meeting with you, the most important thing I think that you've taught me is to not let negative thoughts in your mind. Why do you emphasize this so much, especially when you know when talking to athletes? Yeah, so that's a great question. Again, with a it would have a it could have a 
potentially very long answer, but just a, an important answer, for, especially for athletes, is to consider this. That what you say to yourself, what we tell ourselves, dictates subtle, significant changes in the body. Okay, so that's why sometimes our posture changes when we're down, right? Or we, our energy changes, right? When we're feeding our, ourselves these negative and most often untrue thoughts, then it's creating, it's not only creating um, that type of environment, kind of a, a low energy environment um, and a sort of a negative in, emotion environment, but it's, it is affecting the body. And as an athlete who is um, called to perform and expected to perform and wants to perform, the last thing you want to do on purpose is to do something that's going to keep you from physically performing, right? And so that's what we talked about. And that's why I think hopefully one of the catalysts for you being willing to make those changes is that understanding that is simply the way the brain works. And so if you are being negative or you know, speaking untruths to yourself or focusing, catastrophizing, if you will, saying the what ifs, what if this happens or what if this doesn't happen and all those things that the brain does, then what happens? We Number one, you have a great chance that your muscles are going to tighten up. So your physical muscles are going to tighten up, not when you want them to, but when you're, but they're going to do it just because you're sure. dictating this negative language. Um, number two, you're going to get less oxygen, right? So oxygen flow to the extremities, which you, we, we need, and you're not breathing very well. So we know those three things are important that we have. We tighten or loosen the muscles when we the way we learn technically to do it and when to do it and we need to breathe right mm -hmm. or we're in, you know, you're often going through things like panic attacks or you know just freezing we call it freeze mode um all sorts of things can go wrong so it's not just about positive thinking although i'm a big supporter of that it's about truths i believe truths i i believe a lot of athletes just don't speak their truths and that's unfortunate you know for the reasons i talked about earlier in the podcast is um, sometimes we just don't stop long enough to see collectively how well you have done in the past and how all of that is still within you. It's just a matter of accessing it. And so how are you going to access it if you're telling yourself all these negative things? And so, yeah. well, you know, more realistic is to get that great list of like I was talking about before. I am someone who I'm someone who's been playing baseball for since I was four years old. That is, you know, well, so you could, you know, with the negatives, I would say, well, a lot of people have been doing that. Okay. That's not, we're, we're not comparing ourselves to other people. That's not really helpful, right? Mm. Unless there's someone you want to emulate and you take a few of those qualities and, you know, set some goals. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in how the importance of self-talk, it, how it dictates our moods and, but not not necessarily most importantly, but I think in the sense of what athletes don't really understand is think about what that's doing to the body and the performance. Hmm. Yeah. And I think you've called me out on this uh, a few times yeah. <laughs> while I'm meeting with you because I, I remember, yes, I remember one specific time it was a, you know, it was a rainy day. It was just dull and, you know, gloomy. And I was like, I'm not having a good day just because it's the weather outside is bad. And you're I know, like, no, that. no, you, you do not have a bad day just because of the weather. Don't let that define your day. And, you know, ever since then, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, 
I don't have to have a bad day just because it's rainy outside, which is, you know, it's amazing. Uh, but it makes a huge difference. Like going from saying to yourself in a game, I, I cannot make a mistake here to, oh, I'm going to make this play because it's what I do. Like that changes who you are as a person. It changes, you know, your mindset from having, you know, timidness to confidence and determination. And it can change, you know, everything about you as an athlete. Yeah, it's really about setting intention, isn't it? You know, do you intend to, mm-hmm. you know, do the things that you know that help you and help you to be successful and win? Um, is your intention to believe or not? You know, we there, there are all kinds of ways we can set our intentions. You know, sometimes we choose to believe um, the things that aren't true. <laughs> and that, that, that's why <laughs> yeah. I think that, that tool of shifting, and, and you're, you've gotten really good at it. You know, because minds do what minds do. They do. Things are going to, something's going to trigger our minds sometimes. Sometimes when we feel tired, we're the most vulnerable. And I think that's something to pay attention to. You know, you're on that long bus ride home, maybe from a long weekend. That was also that. So the mind goes, oh, oh, I've had, I, all this happened. So I, you know, tomorrow is going to be a rough day. Oh, wow. So you set your intention for the next day to be a rough day. Um, Mm. Not, not the best strategy. Not the best. And so yeah. it's great that you learned to change that because, you know, mm. we have a lot to do with that next day. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of negative talk and maybe you touched on this a little bit before, what is the most common issue or problem that you that you see in athletes when they come to you? Yeah. So I would say even though um, I always talk about this because I deal with a lot of different issues with athletes. Um, I, I When I go to conferences and speak, I have a list of like 30 that, that I can just randomly rattle off, 30 different issues that I work with. Because, you know, I also work with coaches. So a lot of times I'm trying to, I'm helping coaches, trying to um, improve their culture and a team culture and also sometimes make decisions about whether to stay in their current jobs or all kinds of things. And so, um, and they're much like the decisions of athletes, you know, athletes are sometimes trying to make decisions about whether or not to stay on a particular team or transfer things like that. So, but I would say, and then we think about, um, I'd say there's some usual suspects, reasons that people contact me would be, um, attitude, maybe their attitude, their love for the sport has changed. Um, certainly pressure. I think that, that athletes actually think that's most of the time they think that that's why they're they're contacting me. And it is an issue like you talked about wanting to feel lighter, better. But I would say the number one issue is focus. Again, they're focusing on what they don't want versus what they do. They're willing to sort of lo- like go down that path of thinking about you know, what if I don't get this? What if this doesn't happen? What if this thing happens? It'll prevent me from playing well. Or what if I don't, I underperform and on and on and on. Instead of having that mindset, what I call the, the pre-competition mindset, because I think that's important. As you know, pre-competition, something to do in competition and then reflection. But I think pre-competition is really important. How am I setting my intentions and where is my focus? Now, if you think of it this way, it's easy to identify whether your focus is on track. So check and see, what am I saying? What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on something that happened in the past? So I'm having that uh-oh moment that, oh, I don't, oh, what if this happens again, right? Or, right? Or am I focusing on the future? 
right? Of you know, I want this this bigger thing. So if I don't do this right, you know, right now, I won't get it. Or the the present and the present is always the best choice when you're competing, you know. And I mean the immediate present. You know, all of those other things are distractions. And when we're distraction, we're distracted. We don't do as well. So there is a time to go back to the past. And that's when you're doing those reflections to learn and move on. There is a time to, to move to the future. And that's when you're setting your goals. But focus. Um, foc and so there, there, there are two, foc two major areas of focus that are, um, that are concerning. Number one, if, if, if it's producing anxiety and fear. So it's fear-based. You're playing, you're playing out, you know, with fear-based thoughts and, and ideas. And then the others, other focus, you know, worrying about how the other team is doing or the, the person that you're directly, you know, interacting with, whether it be the pitcher, you know, whatever that might be. But it's being other focus and comparing yourself, you know, to other players. That, that's very common. And so that's, um, I would say... The number one thing um, I try to, and I, I think I, I do accomplish for anybody who's optimistic and willing like you were, um, and you are, is having them focus on things about the value that they bring to this, you know, broader things, you know, not only how am I going to play today, you know, or set your intentions, I'm going to play well today, but I'm going to demonstrate leadership today. And, you know, that's something I know that's very important to you. And I think you've done a great job of, I'm going to show up with value because I am valuable to this team and you know, mm. shifting that self-talk that way. Uh, it's not something athletes off, often think about as being important, but guess what? It really is. And it's proven to be that <laughs> over and over again, and, you know, and not to belabor this, but just to go back a little bit when you asked me, you know, what kind of results or what kind of things am I able to, I've, I've been able to help many, many athletes remove limits that allowed them to go to very, very high levels, levels that some want, you know, had goals uh, to do and others um, just felt like they, they, they had something greater within them, but had no idea how great it could be until they removed those limits. Yeah. <laughs> I think the most common thing that I've seen and experienced, like you said, is either the lack of focus or the pressure that comes with sports because you know, so much pressure can be put on athletes from, you know, coaches and parents and teammates and mm -hmm. just all that bearing down on you can just have significant ramifications for, you know, your mental health. And it's just, it can wear on a person. Like, you know, if you've had that ever since you were four years old playing a sport, then, you know, what does that do to you as a person? It makes you timid and shy and not have a lot of confidence when you play a sport, especially. And when you and when you think about it, and just listening to the way you described it, you know, you know how it's wearing you down, wears you down, and you know having all that weight on you, um, it's a great example of focus. If we allow ourselves to focus too long on that, what those expectations are, you know, we know they're out there, and we know we know that realistically, that's that's part of it. But shifting the focus will help tremendously to take that pressure off. That pressure is only as great as we allow it to be. It really is. You know, we have to have that voice inside of us that creates some balance. You know, I always tell athletes a lot of times, you know, especially they have coaches that are, you know, they're just a little bit more, 
uh, should I say animated in their approach to like communicating? <laughs> oh, right. That's, I mean, I, I love coaches. I work with coaches all the time. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I, I have mad respect for all of their, their different styles because I know the one thing I've learned the longer I've been in this business is their intentions are, are most always very good, very good, mm-hmm. but they just don't exactly know how to change the, you know, the style of the message. So that's, that's actually where I come in sometimes. But I think that sometimes it's a matter of you hear, you take the animation out. You know, our brains have an amazing capacity to be able to sort of play. And if we use our imagination a little bit, I always say, imagine that that, you, that voice is just a little bit lower. You know, that volume's lower. Imagine that that, um, you know, that, that you're hearing something different than you're hearing. Maybe that you're hearing the, the same message a different way, or maybe you just need to hear in that moment what you need to hear to be able to continue to play well that day. Hmm. And then you can get back to that, that, that stuff that's actually an adjustment that you're going to need to make moving forward. But there's all kinds of things we can do. Yeah. Good sure. to know. So <laughs> yeah, very, very good yeah, to yeah. know. <laughs> so what is one thing, as we start to close down, what is one thing, one piece of encouragement or advice that every athlete should know, in your opinion? You know, I, I actually had some notice that that question was coming. And even knowing that, it's so difficult for me to say, to say one thing. As you can see from this podcast, mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to say one thing, right? But <laughs> <laughs> if that's all I had... I would say as a, an athlete or student athlete or you know anyone work on your mental side every day. Mm-hmm. Keep yourself and I've said this to you before. I think it's very important and and Christian athletes and and Christians will certainly understand the last part of this. But keep yourself interested in a lot of things, your sport and things outside of your sport. And as a result, you'll be more interesting to other people. And when we're interesting to other people, then we're able to lead and, and also draw people in to be more curious about us and how you know, we've made good changes or how we're doing good things. And I think that's really important. And also, absolutely, God. And so we want to be interesting. We want to be interested and we want to communicate and show that because I think it shows that we are living this life that we are blessed with in the fullest way that we can. And so I would say, please, you know, it doesn't, you know, breathing, you know, it's very simple. And (laughs) as you know, I sent you 12 different ways to do it, but there are so many (laughs) things you can learn, especially with the access that, that, that we all have right now to, learn to work on the mental side of things. It can, you can do something from five minutes to 30 minutes a day. You know, student athletes probably have the five. You can do some, listen to something before you fall asleep. I've sent you things like that, you know. It's, um, but, but don't leave that mental side to chance and do all that hard work on the physical and technical side. And then that, you know, whether it's sports or it's a career or anything else. So yeah. I guess if I only get oh. one, that will be it. <laughs> I'd like to have a yeah, more. That's great. That's a good one. Amen. <laughs> well, Joni, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and thank you for all that you've done for me. You've really changed my perspective on what it means to be called an athlete. And, you know, you've helped me so much by, you know, what you've taught me. 
Well, thanks so much for saying that, but also thanks for being willing to be a leader. I know that you'll pass what you've learned on to other people and um, it'll be great coming from you because I just think, I think you are extremely inspirational. I love what you're doing here. And I know that's, this is just the tip of the iceberg for you. Thank you so much. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> well, for all the listeners out there, please remember to leave a rating and a like on the podcast. It really helps us out. Remember that no matter what, God loves you and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you next time.